2 a.m. and she calls me because I'm still awake. <laughs> I've, re- I've been preparing this joke for a while. True heads, no, just from the single bar you gave them. <laughs> and it's extremely relevant to our episode today. If anyone cares, the name of that song is Breathe. I do think I heard that song first on like Grey's Anatomy though. <laughs> I feel like Grey's Anatomy would love that song. The sole reason we became doctors. <laughs> I haven't seen a single frame of that show, so maybe that's why I'm a little skeptical about this whole medicine thing. <laughs> yeah, we're all the hot doctors I was promised. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway... Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Abstract, everyone. And we're super excited today to be talking about another paper that's honestly pretty eccentric, if I do say so myself. The graphical abstract alone is really enticing because it's three animals in a like a little bathtub and they're kind of like butt up and the butthole <laughs> in the graphical abstract. <laughs> They really, really wanted to highlight, like, the important parts, you know? The only anatomy that matters. And somehow it looks the same across three species. So this is evolutionary conserved across pigs, rats, and mice. Just in case anyone wanted to know. So it must be important, right? Exactly. The paper that we're going to be talking about today is titled (laughs) Mammalian Enteral Ventilation Ameliorates Respiratory Failure. And it was published in MED in June 2021, and it's a international collaboration between Tokyo Medical and Dental University, Cincinnati Children's, KO University, University of Cincinnati, led by the Takebe Group. And it's just one of those things that I like saw on my Twitter feed, and I was just like, we just can't not do this. <laughs> I feel like everyone was very <laughs> hype about it on science Twitter, and I read the like commentary of the article like even the commentator opened out their commentary by being like we know this is crazy but it actually works (laughs) apparently so to kind of clarify why i was seeing breathe at the beginning of this episode this paper is all about gas exchange and breathing essentially but not necessarily through your lungs typically when we think about gas exchange We think about the body bringing in oxygen and getting rid of carbon dioxide. That's the exchange that happens. And we know in mammals, this typically happens really with your lungs. And this is where your red blood cells are able to drop off carbon dioxide that your tissues make, and they pick up oxygen from the air that you breathe in. Really, really interestingly, there is this type of fish called the loach. I had never heard of this fish. Have you Have you heard of this fish? No, I never heard of it. Yeah. Well, it's a type of fish. They have gills and they, they use their gills typically to breathe, but they can actually come to the surface and take like a big gulp of air and that air will travel to their intestines and that air can actually oxygenate them. They can absorb oxygen through their gut. It's like super crazy. The lead scientist basically came up with this project by saying, like, I want to find an alternative way for breathing, essentially. And then he looked to inspiration, like, from the animal kingdom. So he's like, oh, okay, this loach can do it. Let's see if humans can do it. Yeah. Which is pretty wild. (laughs) Like, you hear about, like, you know, like, crazy things in, like, the animal kingdom, like, whatever 
some like amphibians can like regrow their like arms or like starfish can do that too but this is just like one of those things you're like what why why can they do that and why did someone think that we might be able to do that but (laughs) spoiler alert apparently we can too (laughs) (laughs) this scientist persevered (laughs) he really did so Ellen, why would why would we even want to try to do this? Why would we want to try to breathe through our gut? So I think this paper is actually pretty timely uh, as we are sort of reckoning with the COVID pandemic. And one of the major failures of the COVID pandemic was not having enough mechanical ventilation, which is the type of machines we typically use in the hospital for people who have severe problems with breathing. If you all remember, one of the major things that was coming out of the hospitals in the height of the pandemic was they physically did not have enough ventilators or breathing machines to support all of the COVID patients. So I think really the author of this paper was sort of inspired by that shortage and thought we need another method that doesn't require this like expensive limited machinery. You know, it's crazy when like literally celebrities know what mechanical ventilators are because they were trying to buy up some of these mechanical ventilators. Yeah. Right? Like I was reading about it in news headlines. Yeah, it's strange how like the general public was forced to learn so much about random medical knowledge that, you know, was forced onto them by the COVID pandemic. And one of those things was mechanical ventilation. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like it's forced on me, too. (laughs) I'm sorry, we actually didn't ask for this. (laughs) Derek saw one season of Grace and was like, sounds good. Like Ellen was saying, with the COVID pandemic, people were looking for alternative ways to oxygenate the body. And this is particularly important in the context of the COVID virus, the SARS-CoV-2 virus, actually damaging our lungs. So what mechanical ventilators do is they breathe for you. They do the motion of breathing for you when you can't breathe on your own. But if your lungs are damaged anyway, it might still not be that effective in oxygenating your blood. So here's where, you know, a different type of oxygenation comes in. And this is called extracorporeal membrane oxygenation or ECMO for short. Some people also call it the artificial lung. And this is a machine that actually takes blood out of your body, oxygenates it directly, and then returns it to your body. So this is super, super advanced stuff. But, um, you know, some of the complications with this is that um, your blood can start clotting, you know, you're taking it out of the body and then putting it back in the body. It's a lot for it to go through. It can cause excessive bleeding in places like the brain. It's overall, you know, very useful in severe situations, but it's kind of, in some cases, really a last resort for doctors. Just to emphasize, ECMO is a major procedure, really expensive. You need a lot of different medical professionals to manage it. And another thing about the necessity of finding alternative methods of ventilation is that this is not just something we saw with the COVID pandemic. There are a lot of conditions um, Unfortunately, that requires patients to be on ventilation. Um, The seasonal flu comes to mind. Um, Severe asthma attacks, which you can see in both children and adults. Um, So yeah, there's going to continue to be a need for these alternative methods. These authors were thinking, 
can we use the intestines as essentially a second lung to oxygenate the body? And then we're going to walk you through this paper to see exactly how they were able to do this. So in the paper, the first thing they want to do, um, you know, quickest route to your intestines is <laughs> not through your mouth, but through your butt, right? Shortest path is best. Shortest path is best. I know we didn't pay attention in anatomy, but like even we know this. Yes, yes. We were very close to the cecum, so we understand the trajectory. Yeah, rumor has it that someone in our group accidentally nicked the cecum, which is literally full of stool, which is poop, and stunk up the entire anatomy room. I won't say who it was, but <laughs> but it was me. <laughs> <laughs> we became the least popular anatomy group in the room for, you know, multiple reasons, but that was a major one. <laughs> so they decided, okay, if we're going to try and oxygenate the body through the gut, well, we're first going to have to put a tube literally up the butt into the intestine and then we somehow have to deliver the oxygen in some form so they had two forms of oxygen actually they had gas oxygen which is normal oxygen and they actually had liquid oxygen and they were doing all of this in a mouse so they want to test either delivery of gas oxygen or liquid oxygen when they induced low oxygen levels in the mice what they found was that using gas oxygen through the gut, they were able to rescue them. The other thing is they were thinking, how can we improve oxygen levels even more? So what they decided to do was <laughs> stick something else up there, maybe like a little brush or something, and <laughs> quote, lightly scrape the mucosa of the gut, so the lining of the gut, to physically cause an abrasion to see can the oxygen penetrate better into the gut. This just sounds extremely painful to yeah, me. Yeah, I want to hear the first person that would give informed consent for this procedure in humans. <laughs> they're gonna like read that consent and be like, you want to do what? <laughs> yeah, but what they're trying to do was literally just make as thin of a layer as possible between basically your... <laughs> um... They wanted to make as little space as possible between the anal cavity and the other side of the intestine, essentially, so that the air wouldn't have to travel through that much space. So they're like, yeah, we'll just scrape away part of your colon, if that sounds good to you. The crazy thing is that it actually worked. They found that by scraping away that lining, they were able to better oxygenate these mice. The delivery of the oxygen is just better which I guess like makes sense, right? You like shorten the space the oxygen has to travel and it's just gonna get to the blood more easily. But still, I think obviously inducing damage to the intestine is like not preferable. After this, what they decided to do was test liquid oxygen and they found that liquid oxygen was superior and they wouldn't need to scrape the gut at all. So in the end, they decided to go down this route of using liquid oxygen instead, which... Thankfully for any future human subjects. <laughs> Fortunately for the mice, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Like, I don't know. Sometimes the things people think of, I don't think I have that sort of imagination. But I guess I'm glad someone does, you know? Maybe this will really come in handy someday. 
Yeah, I'm just imagining the first meetings, like, describing to your colleagues what you plan to do. And they're all like, hmm, okay, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I would have liked to see the faces of the IRB that approved this protocol. So that's the institutional body that approves the studies you're going to conduct. They have to be like, okay, yeah, that's okay with us for you to do. You know, I would just love to have been in that room. But, you know, hey, it paid off. So... After they showed that injecting liquid oxygen up the butt works, it's able to rescue low oxygen levels in mice, they wanted to test this in a larger animal. So sure, intestinal oxygenation works in a mouse, but can we do it in a larger animal that's closer in size to a human? And they wanted to do it in a model of respiratory failure. So this is a term we use for humans when they're not able to breathe on their own, resulting in low oxygen levels. The animal they chose was a pig. And the picture of the pig in the graphic is like pretty cute, right? It's so cute. It's so cute. <laughs> it's a little like booty and tail in the air. I know, work pig. <laughs> <laughs> but they decided to do essentially the same thing, injecting liquid oxygen up the butt of a pig and see if it could rescue respiratory failure. And again, it's crazy. They're able to rescue respiratory failure by injecting liquid oxygen up the butt without any sort of serious side effects or any damage to any of the organs, showing that it's basically safe and it would probably work in humans as well. Yeah, and the advantage of using the pig, which is a larger animal, is they were able to calculate based on the body weight how much can we actually increase the oxygen levels. And what they showed was that it would have like a physiologic improvement in oxygen levels in patients that would make a difference in outcomes. So it's not these like tiny little changes, tiny little increases in oxygen levels. They're like, oh, this is actually a significant increase. So these scientists show that anal ventilation may be a safe and useful way of oxygenating patients in respiratory failure, particularly those that are responding poorly to lung mechanical ventilation. There are still a lot of lingering questions. For example, they only used one model of respiratory failure, but respiratory failure can be caused by a bunch of different things. Ellen mentioned some, such as by asthma exacerbations. Other causes are like pneumonia from infection or COVID-19, for example. It's really unclear if this type of oxygenation would be able to perform in the same way in those contexts. Yeah, and another major question um, that still remains after this paper is what exactly is the mechanism? This is a really exciting, like, new development in the field completely and even the authors state like oh we we're not exactly sure how this works so i'm sure some next steps from this group will be trying to understand the mechanism of the actual gas exchange yeah for sure of course for those of you that are a little worried that this might be coming to a hospital near you in the near future i don't think that's necessarily the case we know in pigs, at least, it seems to be safe in the short term, but we don't really know the long-term side effects, if any, that this could cause. Oftentimes, these patients in the hospital are ventilated for weeks, so would it be okay to do the same thing with this liquid anal ventilation? We don't know. Or is it just safe in humans in general? We also don't know. 
maybe pigs just tolerate it a little bit better. Maybe because they're so cute. <laughs> so you're like, we can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's it. One, definitely one of the weirder ones that we've covered on the pod. You know the IV bars that are like marketed for hangovers? Mm-hmm. I'm imagining this as sort of a more experimental little hangover cure, you know, anal oxygenation. Sign me up. <laughs> Bring it to your bachelorette party. <laughs> oh my God. Remind me to make plans when you have your bachelorette party. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when it is, but I'm busy. <laughs> Oh, um, 2040? <laughs> You'll be defending then, so you'll have to. Ah! <laughs> it's still going to be before you, so that's fine. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> we'll both be before Charlie. You know, it's, it's, all, it's all fine. Charlie doesn't listen, so he won't even hear the roast. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> okay, thanks for tuning in, everyone. See you next time. The graphical abstract I really truly love. They're all in like a, it looks like a feeding trough. I know, it's like hard to describe. It looks like they're like all hanging out at like a pool bar. Yeah. They're like leaning over the side. Oh god, in the little loge. (laughs) Hanging out with my pals. Real picture from Pride Weekend.